Cook's house. All right, so it's official. Jamal Shedd is coming back. Does that set the Houston Cougars up to have the best backcourt in the Big 12 and maybe the entire NCAA? You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can't step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way we can lay us in the Cougs into your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day as an everyday listener. Uh, welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is good to see you again. I remember we're doing one of those giveaways at every 250 subscribers. The next one is 1,250. We gave away a hat just like I've got on here. The Cougar Paw locked on here on the sides. Nice Nike dry fit hat. Um Again, that's at 1250, and we are almost there. So make sure you subscribe down below to make sure we get there. Then like and comment on the video to let us know if you are uh, entering the contest. If, after talking a lot about Houston Cougar basketball today, you are just all basketballed out for the offseason, tell us in the comments down below if you think goldfish are animal crackers. All right, so today's episode is all on the base on the premise that. On Wednesday, Jamal Shedd said that he is officially returning to Houston after dabbling in the NBA draft process. And LJ Cryer did the same, the transfer from Baylor, that is, on Tuesday. And so the Houston Cougars know their roster, it looks like. We'll be looking at the starting group, the bench group, and the new guys coming in the roster very, very quickly across the, today's episode. There is room to change this roster. We'll talk about some at the end in the third segment, but the first segment, look at the starters, what the new starting lineup looks like and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Second rotation, last new guys. And if there's any new, new guys. So let's jump on in the starting lineup as now the projected starting five would be Jamal shed at the point guard, LJ Cryer at the other guard. I don't want to quite say shooting guard because it also carries those responsibilities. Uh, Damian Dunn at that wing spot, Jawan Roberts at the power forward and Javier Francis. At Francis at the center position. Uh, Jamal Shedd, 6'1", 190, 10.5 points per game, 5.4 assists per game, was the defensive player of the year in the American Athletic Conference last season. He does return from dabbling his feet in the NBA draft process. Two-time All-American Athletic Conference player, uh, All-American Athletic Conference team. Um, and for what it's worth, if Houston has a great run next year, may go down as a historic all-time great college point guard. Um He's my favorite for a lot of reasons on the team. One is he plays in your jersey type defense. And two, his best offense is just what I call HB dive, just diving at the rim. Um, that's the point guard. The shooting guard, uh, or the shooting guard spot, our combo guard, will be LJ Cryer, who's also listed at 6'1, 190. The Baylor transfer had 15 points, two assists, and two rebounds per game last season, was third team all Big 12 last season, and shot 41.5% from behind the three-point arc. For what it's worth, that is three percentage points higher than Marcus Sasser did at Houston in the same position. Um, so, again, that's that's big-time, big-time buckets out of that position. He also tested the NBA waters, 
got some notes and came back, but this time transferred to Houston. So he comes to Houston. Damian Dunn is another transfer. The 6'5", 165 pound Temple transfer had 15.3 points per game, three assists and three and a half rebounds per game last season. Uh, Two time all American athletic conference team as well. Shot 34.8, about 35% from three. Jawan Roberts, a little more familiar, 6'7", 220. 10 points per game, seven and a half rebounds and one and a half blocks per game last season. Uh, he'll be switching likely based on the room from the center position in a smaller lineup to the power forward position. And what hopes to be a little bit bigger lineup was an all American conference player last year. And then Javier Francis is six, nine two twenty five with a seven foot four wingspan, just 4.3 points, 3.5 rebounds and 1.1 blocks in 10.3 minutes per game last season. If you extrapolate those out to if he played a 40-minute basketball game, he played all 40 minutes, that would be 16.6 points, 12.7 rebounds, 4.6 blocks. The issue there would be that that also be 6.2 fouls. So obviously working on that you know, maturity in that aspect may be a big part of his game, but a high efficient as far as stuffing a stat sheet player for the Cougs last season um, have to feel like Javier Francis. And we'll start with him as far as more detailed analysis goes. Um, maturing with Kellen Sampson, in the off season is going to be so, so huge for him. I mean, we've seen what Kellen does with the big men, frankly, just what he's, seen, what he's done with Jawan Roberts, of course, Jawan Roberts career or Josh Carlton, uh, Tajay Moore had the, in the post touches, uh, you know, even in a short, limited role, what he did with Jairus Walker last season and the floaters and stuff, I mean, really, really could see a lot of growth at a JVR this fall, this winter, I should say. I guess we'll see it as early as the fall, right? Um, JVR is clearly the least experienced guy, but also with that high motor he plays with, stuffing the stat sheet, like I mentioned, in such short bursts is a really hard thing to do. Uh, both mentally and physically, like uh, that's not just just a it's not a video game, right? You guys like check yourself in the game and then be ready to roll. Um, but that motor in that length, the seven foot four wingspan, makes up for whatever he's missing in height there at six nine and change. Um, I think he's got the chance to be a really impact player. The same way you saw like North Shadow Mirror help Miami get to the Final Four, they went through Houston to do that, right? Um, the same way we saw Juwan Roberts make up for his lack of height in a couple different situations last year too. Those things seem really, really big. As I look at this, the key strengths that starting five lineup with both Cryer and Shed coming back is first and foremost scoring. Um, they've got a couple of legitimate shooters in Cryer and Dunn at the three-point line. Cryer potentially being the best in the nation next season. Um, multiple scoring guys from multiple levels. Jamal Shed finished at the rim and the mid-range. He also showed decent catch-and-shoot numbers last year. I, obviously, LJ crashed a three-point shot, but he loves getting that mid-range floater as well. Damian Dunn was a three-level score at Temple, one of their best scores. If I mean, we can go back and watch the previous or list of this show when we were talking about Temple last season. Very, very, very talented. Um, great passing, great entry pass in the post, both from Shed and Cryer, as well as Jawan Roberts in the high-low. We loved last season watching uh, Juwan Roberts getting the high-low action going with Jairus Walker kind of back-cutting on the low post. Now you got a more traditional low post guy down there with the same high-low kind of actions. Scoring's going to be great. Simply put, if you look at the points per game added up, and it doesn't add up perfectly to this next season, but their starting lineup alone, if my quick math serves me well, is going to be looking at close to 60 points per game. They were only in the mid-60s last season as a whole team, and their starting lineup, it looks like if you extrapolate JVR Francis out to a little bit bigger role, 
you're looking at guys scoring around 60 points per game without pulling anybody off the bench to score and shoot and those kinds of things. Really, really talented scoring lineup with a bunch of different options, and that makes it hard on the opponent's defense. The weakness of this lineup, and we have to mention it, is their size. And by size, I mean height. I mean, they've got some long wingspans, long arms with Dunn, Cryer, Francis, etc., even uh, Juwan Roberts in his own right. Um, but there's no one over 6'9". You have two guards, 6'1 and under, right? Um, that means you're going to need to rotate, keep fresh legs, and keep the defensive intensity up in other ways. And on the glass, you're going to have to play with high energy and high enthusiasm. Those big like tournaments at the end of the season where you play two games in three days, that second game, the motor is going to be key. You're going to just have to stay in great shape over the course of the whole season. Um, I would love to see them, you know, negate that with a bunch of different coverages, kind of get out and some more trapping kind of stuff. And so where you like you force turnovers, you don't even have to worry about rebounding because the turnovers lead to obviously not getting shots off. Um, I could see a bunch of that kind of stuff happening with both Dunn and Shed. One of the reasons Cryer came to Houston is to kind of continue to develop as a defender. And so honestly, like he has some room to grow in that area as far as becoming a Houston Cougar. I think he's athletically very capable, and so I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't. But that's a fair concern and critique of this, is that LJ Cryer was the third best guard defender at Baylor last season. Now, the first two are pros. So, like, on like that, that is a relatives thing, right? Um, obviously, uh, that, that changes things up a little bit. But I, I have to say um, that if they can kind of negate some of the size issues and coverages and schematics this is an incredible starting lineup and one that i think we'll be talking about as one of the best and most athletic in the big 12 one of the highest scoring in all of college basketball by the time it's all said and done once you have damian dunn and lj crier and jamal shed out there as your guard spots i want to start talking some about the bench guys um and what kind of you know aspect of the game they can change and what kind of changes they can bring in. They come in off the bench. But first, I got to talk a little bit about our buddies at FanDuel because it is time for the NBA Finals. That means it's time to make a fast break to FanDuel because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's a new number, folks. $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, I look at this game. I would pick the Nuggets to win, but I don't know that they cover a nine-point spread currently, so I might actually take the heat to keep it under nine there. I think the interesting, some of these props really fun when you get to the NBA Finals. Um, Jimmy Butler in Game 1 is at plus 2,100 to get a triple-double. Now, I understand he's not typically Mr. Triple-Double in the same way Nikola Jokic across from him will be, but I have to say that I do think, honestly, if they want to win a game, they might need it. So I'm saying put some money down there on plus 2,100 for Jimmy Butler to get a triple-double because you know he's be stuffing the stat sheet and until you do it at FanDuel.com. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, so I did mention that uh, I want to talk some about the bench guys because if they play defense in the way I assume they're going to have to play defense next season, the Houston Cougars are going to get tired. And I don't mean to say that like 
their conditioning program is not great because because uh, Coach Bishop is as good as they are in the country, right? And, and Samson is as disciplined a coach as there is in the country. That's not the problem. The problem is it's going to be such a taxing level of defense to play that those starters are going to get worn out. So who are the bench guys coming in? Who are the bench guys that we know coming in? Who are those returning guys that can come in and play a role? Uh, first and foremost, I am got my eyes set on Terrence Arsenault. We mentioned that two guards in the Houston backcourt are 6'1", right? Arsenault is six foot five, 195 pounds. Now, he played a limited 13.9 minutes per game last season. Had 3.7 points per game, 2.5 rebounds per game, just a half an assist per game. And so you're wondering, like, what's the big deal here? What's going on? But his per 40 numbers obviously grow a little bit to 10.5 points, 7 rebounds. Uh, he gets, you know, at that point, be 1.5 assists and 1.5 steals or something like that, right? Almost two steals. Um, but Arsenal has the kind of potential that had people thinking he might test the NBA draft waters this spring and summer because he's got that kind of length, size, fluidity. He's hyper-competitive. There's some natural instincts there as well as far as scoring goes. And we saw it as early as Oregon, and we really saw it when he tapped into it a little bit more over the course of the tournaments, both the conference tournament and civil aid tournament in March, right? Like, he's got those natural things in him. And when he stepped in for a hurt Marcus Sasser, you really saw parts of it show up in spots, right? Um, and it makes sense. This is the third highest ranked recruit in modern UH and uh, modern U of H history, right? Uh, for what it's worth, Daniel House and Jairus Walker are two and one in, in the modern era, right? Um, Arsenal is a extremely talented kid and with the right kind of season, and especially if he could nudge his way into the starting lineup for like Damian Dunn or whatever, um, you could see this guy being a lottery pick next season. There were some people projecting just on talent, on like natural talent and potential alone, he'd be a second round pick as is right now entering the draft, right? And this guy that barely got to play for Houston last season. Um, I'm really, really high on this kid. Obviously, it's nice to have a kid from Beaumont coming in and being so impactful. But I, I really think that he's going to have a giant jump. Uh, he plays a lot more forward in high school, um, and he's got put into more of a guard, ball-handling-type position at Houston. Now, Beaumont United, they won a bunch of state titles. Like he, they, played, they, play, they played very well, and I don't mean to say he did the wrong thing there by any stretch, but that did look like it slowed him down on his guard growth. And now at Houston, with a full year in the system and a full year with Samson uh, and Samson and Qantas and all the guys, right, Hollis as well, you'll see, uh, I think, a lot of growth out of him. And frankly, the same shooter we saw in the Oregon game or the same competitor we saw getting in jerseys and playing defense in the latter part of the season, um, I'm thinking, like, uh, the second half of the ECU game or I'm thinking – Frankly, even the Memphis title game, as abysmal as that game was for stretches, like Terrence Arsenal, I thought played pretty well for parts of it. Uh, the Auburn game, right? Like um, when things were a little dicey in the opening game against Norfolk State, right? Like this is a guy that uh, can play very good basketball. And I think he's going to have a big, big leap this season. Similarly, his uh, backcourt rising sophomore teammate Emmanuel Sharp is kind of the same boat. Sharp is six three, two hundred pounds. 
and had 5.9 points per game, 2.2 rebounds, just half an assist, played about 15 minutes last year. But per 40 minutes, I stretched it out to 15 points and about six rebounds and, you know, those kinds of things. I think the biggest thing for Sharp's development is he finally has a full, healthy offseason to just focus on getting better, right? Um, between his, I guess, he technically transferred to Houston middle of his senior season of high school, and so between his like redshirt season or his senior year of high school season, whichever one you want to call it, and his true freshman season, um, remember he had a catastrophic lower leg break in December of his senior high school that kind of like leapt him into U of H campus so we can go ahead and get in rehab programs and so on. He spent a lot of that offseason just getting healthy and then just getting in shape and then just get trying to get ready to play. And we saw him grow and get in better shape over the course of the season. Down the stretch, he actually lost some minutes to Arsenal in a crowded backcourt room. But I wouldn't stress too much about that in looking at their projections next season. They do very different things. Uh, Sharp is a no pun intended sharpshooter. He comes in and he knocks down threes at a high clip. Uh, he's going to take a couple heat check ones as well. So his percentages, I think, look more mundane than he is. We both remember when he got hot, he got hot, 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 right? And so you could see him fill in that kind of role as well, especially if. Houston's going to have offenses that rely on outside shooting because that's what the starting lineup has. You can see Emmanuel Sharp come in when LJ Cryer gets in foul trouble, when Jamal Shedd gets in foul trouble, he's covering the other team's best guard or whatever, right? Like he can come in and fill us most same roles. I think that there's a natural fit for him there as well. The big question mark is Ramon Walker. Now, Ramon Walker did say about two months ago at this point that he's coming back. There are questions about that or whether or not he would transfer. He took a mysterious medical red shirt in the middle of the season last season. Um, and I hope, frankly, Ramon, if you're, uh, this at all gets back to hope you're doing okay. Um, I, I know whatever I was going through must have been a lot. Um, but he saw very little time on floor last season, but was very much the energy dive on the floor. I mean, obviously we think about the Wichita state game dives on the floor, grabs three months, saves the game the season before, right at six, four, two ten, Can he be that swing forward that plays a lot bigger than himself at six, four and be like a small ball four even, and like a crazy small lineup, or even just be a more like at six, four, can he cover the six, seven small forward in the other team? Um, offensively, he's still as of last season was fairly limited, um, but defensively, he's a guy that like has to be on the floor, I think, of this unit. Especially, and again, I love the LJ Cryer ad in the transfer portal, but Cryer's defense is not what Marcus Sasser's was. And so, unless he grows into it, which would be great for the Cougs, Ramon Walker may need some time on the floor just to make up for that defensive intensity because that was the kind of thing that screwed him last year was Sasser was also one of Houston's best defenders. And so, there was no drill tie for Walker, whereas there might be some more of that this season as a great defender. I still, if I'm looking at biggest growth in the second group of the second unit, the returners, I'm still looking at uh, Terrence Arsenault as having the highest upside this season. Um, really has all the tools to be a pro guard. Real, I, like I know that people are going to look at me like what, but like the same way Jairus Walker had the potential, and thus will be a top five, six, seven draft pick at worst, right? This uh, NBA draft. Um, Terrence Arsenal has the same kind of like potential in him in the sense that like things just seem to like the things that are hard to teach come to Terrence really, really well. Uh, Manuel Sharp was worth his coach's son. And so he's got some of the same kind of stuff too. And I think Ramon Walker's role will be much more needed this season. So I'm excited about these three guards. 
I will say though that that's three guards, right? We haven't talked about a substitute big man yet. Um, and so I guess with that, we need to spend our third segment talking some about the freshmen coming in. So let's talk a little bit about them as well. Um, I guess we should mention the names first. Uh, Cordelius or Cordell Jefferson, uh, 6'3", 180-pound guard from Arlington Martin High School. I love him. We'll get to one in a second. Jojo Tugler, a 6'7", I'll just say forward, because he could play either forward to me, uh, from Cy Falls uh, with a 7'6 wingspan. This, that is an accurate 6'7 guy with a 7'6 wingspan. Uh, said Loth, uh, he is 6'9 and change. I've seen him list at 6'10 as well. But 265 and not an ounce of extra body fat on him. Um, seven foot two wingspans I'm seeing there. Uh, Jacob McFarland is from uh, Rancho uh, Verde in Moreno, California. 6'10 and change, 205. I'm seeing both 7'2 and 7'3 wingspans on him. So that's where – oh, I, I didn't mention Ryan Elvin in the last segment when I was talking about returners at guards. Um, he's Ryan Elvin, I guess, is going to be the same kind of impact next season as he's had. Um, now, I will say that if you ask any of the guys on the staff, Ryan Elvin's impact on this team is incredible stuff in the locker room. Um, truly inspirational kid. And so I, I should probably shouldn't move so quickly past that. But I will say that um, I'm looking like on the floor impact. He's a guy we cheer for at the end of the games. Um, but his locker room stuff, I think, is where he makes his impact in a bigger way. Sorry, Ryan. I, I hope you don't take that the wrong way. Um, big guys coming in as freshmen. I So starting with Tugler and Loth. Um, Big said is a giant. He also transferred to Houston and then quote redshirt the second half of the year at Christmas last year. Not unlike how Manuel Sharp did the year before. Um, it looks like he's only been playing basketball about four years. I saw an interview from him uh, at this point. It's been like eight months ago um, where he said he'd just been playing basketball a little bit over three years at that point. So, transitive property he's been playing about four years um that means he started playing basketball for the first time at around 15 serious basketball at around 15 in the ivory coast um crazy crazy high ceiling um when you watch his high school stuff like a really really hard roller think like screen and dive screen and dive screen and dive and he is so big so strong so quick so athletic so explosive that that in itself punctures the defense in a way that really takes away a lot of things and will help the skip pass, help the bounce pass may even take away like the guys covering the ball handler on the screen roll actions because the way he takes them down the rim with them. Um, Tugler probably has the more skill of the two. Um, the six, seven, the seven, six wingspan to me may, means that he can make up for a lot of that six, seven height as a forward spot. Um, that ratio is just nuts. I love Tugler cause he wants to dunk or block everything. You watch these clips as kid from Cy Falls. I mean, he is he is trying to dunk every single basketball he can, and every shot within a long arm's reach for him, he is trying to block as well. That he ran the break really well as a high school senior. Um, and, you know, I understand his high school competition, but he also, I thought, played perimeter defense fairly well. The length helps a lot there, obviously, but I thought he played perimeter defense pretty well. Um, and I, I'm not alone in thinking this. I think Tug has got a crazy high ceiling. Um, team USA just signed into their group of 35 for the U19 team. Now, that does not necessarily mean he's made the roster for the travel squad to FIBAs and stuff like that, 
but it does mean that he's one of the 35 best players under 19 in the country. <laughs> and, um, and they're taking him with them as far as training camps and stuff like that goes. So extra work with pro coaches and those kinds of things would be really, really good for him. Um, I imagine one of those two guys, Tugler or Loth, will get a lot of minutes, right? A lot, a lot of minutes. Um, just because they're kind of the next guy in line as far as the, the centers go. You could th- theoretically go super small and move Jawan from the four to the five if uh, JV or got in foul trouble or put in a small ball powerful with Terrence Arsenault or um, or Ramon Walker, something like that, if Jawan Roberts got in foul trouble. But truthfully, one of these freshmen is probably going to need to play a lot. The one that I'd be surprised if he played a lot, not because he's not skilled enough, though, with Jacob McFarlane. Um, again, 6'10", 205. He's really really thin, but over the course of his high school career, he probably had the steepest stock rise of his recruitment. Um, Great help side and zone defender. Again, really good instincts and timing on when to help from the backside of the rim on that. Um, And admittedly, last season, Houston ran zone and outsmarted me at times, and then um, after having run very little zone throughout the year, me wondering why they were running it at all, they ran against Auburn and kind of won the game on it. Um, the deal with McFarland is not that he's not skilled enough to play right away. He probably has the best ball skills of anyone in uh, this freshman group as far as the big men go. But he's so thin, I think he needs to spend a year registering with Alan Bishop, uh, the strength conditioning coach. He's, I mean, Alan Bishop is world-renowned for this kind of stuff. And frankly, if McFarland wants to get the most out of his time in Houston – not spending a year of eligibility this year and just putting on good weight with uh, Coach Bishop might be what's best for him. Um, I know that obviously it's what's best for the team is what really matters and those kinds of things, but I can see that being important. Um, so again, I think one of either Tugler or Loth will play. I don't know if McFarland will much will play a lot. The other will play some. I don't know if McFarland will see the floor this year or not outside of much more of a red-shirted kind of role. Um, those are all the big men. Last but not least, I will say he's not a freshman big man. I know that we got a lot of guards. You're going to love Cordell Jefferson. 6'3", 180, four-star kid on a lot of sites. Um, he's just so dang competitive. And it's just like I'm. if we're playing badminton, if we're playing tug-of-war, if we're playing anything, I need dudes on my team that are competitive. And Cordell Jefferson is that. And what I love about it, he's not just that hyper-competitive guy from the DFW Metroplex that kind of took that Arlington Martin team on his back in a lot of ways, too. You watch the team out there playing basketball um, on his high school tape, and there is one Division One dude in the white or black jersey, whichever one they're wearing, and it is him, right? Um, but ever since committing, his social media presence, his interviews with different recruit outlets, et cetera, it's all been – all things UH. I mean, he's cheering on the girls' team, the volleyball team, the baseball team. He's posting stuff about his future teammates. He's interacting with guys on Twitter. Like, he is all in on the Cougs. And having that level of competition and that level of all in with the caliber athlete that that kid is, man, I'm telling you, that's going to be a special moment. If you got any other questions, comments, concerns about next year's basketball roster now that Shed and Cryer are officially staying in the H, tell me down below or tell me at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all your favorite social media handles. I'll be happy to talk all things Cougs. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Uh, if you want to look for something as a second listen, I'm going to recommend, if you're going to continue this basketball mood, to go check out 
Locked On College Basketball. I'm doing a great job breaking down the offseason. And now that that window to declare if the NBA draft or not is over, they're going to be breaking down every single controversial decision uh, as well. So make sure you go check out Andy and Isaac over there. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked On Cougs today. Locked On Cougs is a primary Locked On Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Cougs.